30 to Life podcast, where we break stereotypes, build legacies, and help others along the way. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. And welcome back to another episode of the 30 to Life podcast, where we redefine the Black experience. Uh, just want to thank everyone who's listening. We appreciate all of the support. We appreciate just um, you listening each and every week. You sharing it with your friends, your family, not being stingy and giving it to the people. So people need to hear 30 to Life. Um, today, we have a really special guest for you. But before I even bring our special guest on, you got to check in with your favorite color in the world, brown. What's going on, brown? Yo, what's new? Did you hear what happened today? Biden, executive order, crypto. I'm excited. Listen, you, you you know I had to bring this up. You know I had to bring up the great news. Listen, people, I'm just telling you right now, if you have not entered into the blockchain technology department, I'm gonna need you to go buy you some Bitcoin, buy you some Ethereum. This is not financial advice, but yes, buy, buy and enjoy the repercussions. Well, not repercussions, enjoy the yield. In five to 10 years. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I always love that disclaimer where they'd be like, hey, go buy Apple right now. But uh, this is not financial advice or whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> I just did it because I don't want to get sued. It's wasting my time, you know. Well, yeah, it's a waste of your money, too. But uh, everybody do your research. Check out what happened with uh, Joe Biden and uh, this executive order. Uh, if you still trying to get caught up to speed with crypto, blockchain technology, we have multiple episodes mm-hmm. uh, with Hill Harper, with um, Dr. Hans, our crypto correspondent, yes. um, Thayvon. Check out those episodes. But today, I think. Today's episode is focusing on branding, mm-hmm. leadership, commanding a room, your presence, how you presenting yourself, how you're inspiring others to make movement, to make change um, and, uh, you know, servant leadership, right? Servant leadership, all different types of leadership, but really how you articulate that is so important. So for today's episode, we have Robert Kennedy III. Uh, he is an author. He's a speaker. He's a leader. He's an entrepreneur. He's a consultant. Uh, and he has so much experience when it comes to communication and the leadership. So I just want to thank Robert for coming on and dropping some gems very soon on this podcast because I already feel it. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for coming on. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> this is the first. Right. Come on. Uh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make an interest. Got to make an interest. What's good, fellas? That was not expected. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a keynote speaker right now. Like, I feel like, oh, yeah. Everybody get up. Clap your hands. <laughs> listen, listen. I mean, listen. Be memorable. Don't leave any room the same as you entered it, right? You want to make sure that people have a reason to reconnect with you. And you want to have, they want to have a reason to, to just remember the experience that they had with you. So don't do, don't be average. Don't do the same thing everybody else does. Be memorable. Hey, that, I love it. I love it. Love it. Uh, I'm not going to forget this already. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need a theme. That, you basically have a theme music every time you come in the room. Like, I love it. That's so, right. Yeah, exactly. that's what you need. Uh, so, yeah. so, Robert, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Right. You came in with a strong presence. So I know that you have a strong um story, a strong uh, uh, influence. I know that you have a, a powerful message. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Man, so there's a lot to tell. I, I 
from a from the business perspective, I run two companies. I have a training company. We do a lot with organizations. It's Kinetic Kinetic Communications is the name for our company. We teach organizational leaders how to deliver critical messages with confidence. We do a lot in the area of business storytelling. On the other side of our business, we have the Storytellers Growth Lab, and we work with small business owners, coaches, consultants, teaching them how to show up on stage and on video so that they can attract their ideal audience and generate more income. So we deal with a lot of storytelling. That's kind of the core of my business. And other than that, man, I'm a family man. I have been married this year. Uh, my gosh, my marriage is millennial. <laughs> right? this, this year we'll be hitting 22 years um, of, of marriage later this year. And I've got a daughter, she's in college and two boys after that. And I love them. I feel like a chauffeur these days because I'm just like driving from one basketball game to the other. And that's that's my world, man. But yeah, we, we've been having a lot of fun. Awesome. So I have to ask you, how did you get to where you are today? Like, how, like how does one become how do you how do you become a, a, a communicator? How do you become a leader and how do you eventually become someone who teaches this? Wow. Well, my journey has not been like the straight line. It's left, right, up, down, diagonal, flipped it up and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I started out out of college in the mental health space. I was a, a director for, well, a supervisor originally for a mental health organization, moved up to director. And then after that, you know, I don't know if you know anything about the mental health space. You work a lot of hours, you don't make no money. <laughs> Didn't make a whole lot of money there. I moved into teaching. I was in, the, in, I was in a high school classroom for seven years and I taught physics and biology. And so my family is, educators. My mom, 30 plus years, 40 years, almost in education. And so it was in my blood in some ways. So I moved from education into the development space. I was developing online courses for organizations. And after a little while, they said, hey, can you not just build the courses for us? Can you teach us how to do it? And so back into that space of training and, and teaching. So I started to teach and train a bit more. And as I started to expand my cachet, my, my, the portfolio of courses that I taught, people started asking me, hey, are you a speaker? Are you speaking? Are you a speaker? Are you speaking? I'm like, what are you talking about? Who speaks? I don't know anybody that speaks. It makes money. I mean, what are you talking about? So I started to research that world a little bit and I did what I needed to do. I joined Toastmasters. And then after I did that, I started to find out a little bit more about the National Speakers Association, where they don't teach you how to speak. They teach you about the business of speaking. And so I went through that process and started to really morph my training business into a business that allowed me to do keynotes as well as training and, and, and workshops. So all of that, man, that's been my gosh, close to a 20 year journey that's taken me from the mental health space into the space where I've got these companies now that teach people about storytelling and communication. So I guess my next question would be like, I, I know that storytelling is crucial to just being a human. I mean, we've been, humans have been telling stories and people have been sitting around campfires listening to those stories since the beginning of time. So how does someone who has no experience telling stories, how do they begin to structure uh, storytelling in, in, in a way that caters to either professional growth or, or they're just starting a, a business? 
Well, let's back that up for a second, because, I mean, I think the first part of your question or the first, or how you set this up was about how we've been telling stories for such a long time. And inside of that might be the, the question, like, why do you need to even teach storytelling to people? Because we should innately know how to do this already. Right. Here's the deal. A lot of us have forgotten it. A lot of us have forgotten how to do it because we've been in corporate environments and in corporate environments, we're told that information is king and you got to give them the data. You got to give them the information. You got to give them the knowledge and you just got to chuck it at them, get, make it concise, make it short and cut out all the fluff. Right. And so when we think about storytelling, we think about it in terms of extra. We think about it in terms of fluff and and drama and we're in the corporate space. We don't want no drama. Mary J. No, sorry. Um, (laughs) So we don't want any of that stuff that is extra in 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 our corporate space. When the truth is storytelling isn't about once upon a time. Storytelling isn't really about um, just sharing with people the, the drama of it all. What it is, is a framework or a sequence that you follow in order to connect with people, hit the emotional touch points and then move them to action based on that. So if I were to give a quick lesson, storytelling really exists or, or, or consists of four main elements, uh, context, characters, conflict, and conclusion. Right. And so in every conversation and in every interaction, if any if there's anything that you want people to make a choice, a decision on persuasion, influence, if you want people to connect to the experience that you're sharing, storytelling really helps you to, to make that jump for people. So that's why I teach them. Yeah, I mean, I realize that a lot of times people are telling stories without even Real, I'm like I guess the audience isn't even realizing that this person is telling the story, but you know right. maybe halfway into it they're like, wow, like they're so entranced by what these this person is saying, and it, it definitely is an art form, and I'm I'm really glad that you told us what you told us because I think that it's it's very vital for any professional to be able to tell a story because if you're if you're someone who's who's in front of people and if you're a leader, um, yeah, there's a, a um. Impact that you can give if you're an excellent storyteller. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, speaking, you know, and, and making sure that people understand the the message that you're portraying, uh, so ultimately you can get them to uh, make a decision or influence them to think about making that decision, uh, and that's where the power lies. So, um, really, what I want to dig a little bit deeper in is like, how does someone start to create that framework um, in their everyday? profession, right? Whether you're a teacher, right? You want to tell a story to get the kids to make a decision or mental health, as you said, you want someone to uncover their own um, uh, pain or issues and start that healing process. So how do you get to that place or start doing that? Yeah. So I think I'll bring up two quotes that um, that that all of you should be familiar with. John Maxwell, leadership coach, is, is famous for saying people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Um, and really that is about, that's the essence of storytelling because a lot of times you want to share information, but storytelling isn't really about sharing information. And I, I noticed you used the word understanding a few minutes ago. It's not even really about understanding. It's really about connection. It's really about emotion. It's about people knowing 
that you understand an experience that they have, a feeling that they have, or a feeling that they don't want to have anymore, or an experience that they don't want to have anymore. And so uh, storytelling is about either pulling people into your world or sharing with people that you understand and know their world. Right. So if you think about movie trailers, right, uh, th there's there's this common line that happens in movie trailers. And it's like in a world where, you know, you, you got that thing, right? Because they're trying to really begin the mental Rolodex playing, getting you to imagine and pulling you into a space that they have created, right? When I teach speakers about connecting with the audience, there's a word that I share with them that they can use to really like hijack people's brains. And that word is imagine. So you're, you're, you're telling them to imagine, the audience to imagine. Yeah, yeah okay. you're telling the audience to imagine. So you're like, imagine what it would be like if. And when you do that, you're immediately saying to the audience, the audience is immediately starting on a journey. They're not paying attention to you anymore. They're literally now starting to flip through all of their mental, their memory boutons, flipping through all the stuff, the experiences that they've had, the imagination or the things that they've thought about, because now they're searching for something to connect with the words that you just said. You literally have told them, you know, I'll, I'll use another old example. I don't know, you're a millennial, so you may not even know this one. Back in the day when I was a little kid, my mom used to watch this show called The Golden Girls. Betty White just died in, uh, in January, right? Golden Girls, if for those who are not familiar, was this show where there were these four retirees, they lived in Miami, and the oldest one, her name was Sophia. And she told stories every episode, and she told them, and she started stories the same way, all the time. Picture it, Sicily, 1933, right? She would do that. And what she was doing was she was telling you what to do. And then she was telling you where it was happening. She was telling you when it was happening. And so in your mind, she literally started a video playing. She literally started, planted an image in your mind. And then from there, all she had to do was pull on this little string and drag you down this path, this journey that she's creating for you the entire way. So when we have regular conversations with people, how can we, instead of just chucking information at them, how can we take them on a journey? How can we create some space or something that causes their minds to start experiencing or, or recalling an experience or creating an experience that they haven't had yet, but they either want to have, they desire, or they don't want to have? Yeah, I, I love that. You know, you just planning the picture and I love the part where you said, um, letting them know that you understand their world. Uh, I think that's really important. And it makes me just think about um, public sp speaking in general is, is difficult for some people. Right. And it just makes me think about also like introverts, right. Introverts. It's very difficult to get on that stage, but once they get on the stage, surprisingly, a lot of introverts do very well uh, in terms of public speaking. So, um, Oh, you're one. So, so how can introverts get over that fear? or anyone who has a fear of public speaking, what are some of like the steps to take to get over that hurdle? You don't. <laughs> He's like, okay, okay, more, more. Okay. You, you don't. I, I mean, when I deal with my public speaking clients from time to time, I don't, I say, and they ask me about nerves. I say, listen, our job is not to get rid of your butterflies. It's to help them fly in formation. 
right? Because you are, you're, you're never going to get rid of it. It's, and if I go back to my science teacher background, right? We've got these hormones in our body. We've got uh, cortisol, we've got uh, epinephrine, we've, we've got adrenaline, we've got these hormones that activate based on experiences that we are having. Fire right? flight. Yeah, right? So if I am nervous, there's some hormones that come into my, that, that begin, that get released into my bloodstream that help me to know, okay, I need to move this direction. Here's yeah. the thing. If I'm excited about something, it's those same hormones that are released into my bloodstream. So mm -hmm. excitement and anxiety, same yeah. chemical base, right? So what makes the difference? The difference happens right here. Yeah. What you've told yourself about the situation or if you've experienced or you've had prior experiences where you responded a certain way to that situation, that kind of determines or tells you what to do in that situation. It's kind of like a child, right? Um, a child is walking up close to a stove and the parents freaking out like, oh, my gosh, don't touch that. But the child doesn't have any prior experience with it, so they don't know to be afraid of it. Right. So prior experiences tell us a lot of that stuff. And so with regard to public speaking and whether you're afraid or not, it's about, okay, yeah, recognizing the, recognizing butterflies, recognizing the, 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 the flutter, recognizing what your body is feeling and telling yourself, okay, yeah, that's literally me warming up. It's the same as an athlete coming out onto the field and they psych themselves up. They're doing all this stuff. Oh, oh. yeah. They're doing, they're warming themselves up. Yeah. Same, same, same deal. Like you're telling stories to the audience, but you're also telling a story to yourself. So what story Absolutely. are you telling to yourself? To because I mean, like I mean, I'm so happy you said that. Because I mean, I was someone who really I don't typically enjoy public speaking. Um, however, you know, you, you're right. You do, and you you never get rid of it. Um, but it's really the decisions afterwards. Like so, mm -hmm. what do you, you even though you're feeling this feeling? What do you what are you telling your brain? So. In terms of connecting with the audience, though, um, and I, I, know, I know you gave us the, the the gem of imagine that I'm going to use as well. But like, what are some of the other ways that you suggest that people can connect to the people in the audience? Cheat code. I'll give you a cheat code. Questions. Questions are another really good way to do this, right? Imagine is one, but a question. And here's why questions work. Let's go. I'm going back. Brain science again right? We have this response in our bodies, inside of our minds, that is that scientists refer to as instinctive elaboration. What does that mean? It means that when there's a question asked, we can't help but respond to it. We can't help, but we, we can't help it. It may not come out of our mouth, but our minds begin to activate and do stuff when a question is asked. So if I'm trying to connect with an audience and, and the better my question is, the better connection that I make. If I ask yes or no questions or closed loop questions, right? I've got a shorter, I've got a shorter connection time with my audience. So for example, if I say, um, have you, how many of you have watched um, Game of Thrones, the entire, the entire series on Netflix? You know, people raise their hands. Okay, cool. But then they're asking like, okay, what's next? What's the person, what do they want me to do next? But if you say to them, what would it be like if you were the hero on Game of Thrones? 
what would you actually do? Right? Now they're starting to come up with all different scenarios in their brains and they're thinking about the episodes that they've watched and they're thinking about the, 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 the mistakes that some of the people, some of their favorite characters made. And now they're placing themselves inside of the episode, right? So that's a, that's a different level. That's like next level in, uh, uh, connection. That's next level relation. Right. So yeah. questions are a cheat code, man. They, they help to engage an audience's brain um, even without them knowing it. It's almost like, like you're exploiting the brain in a sense, yeah. like a, a true storyteller knows how to exploit someone else's brain because yep. you're literally asking them questions that they can't help, but <laughs> they can't help but yeah. answer either internally or externally. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Comedians do this all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love watching, man, Dave Chappelle is like a genius yeah. at doing this. I mean, when you think about somebody who's there for two, two and a half, three hours holding an audience's rapt attention, um, telling jokes, but kind of weaving political and, and, and historical and all that inside of that, because they're able to, to get the audience not just to listen and laugh, but they're able to get the audience to think about or place themselves inside of situations and saying, wait a minute, do I think that way? Do I think about it? Would, would I have responded that way? Can I do it that way? And so that's comedians are, are amazing storytellers that like, man, I, I, I look at them and I, I try to study some of what they do. So for when I'm speaking to man. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that that's so true. Right. Like, they, you know, top headliners can get a few hours of just speaking um, with with the audience. And Dave Chappelle, I, I agree, is a genius just because, you know, he'll lead up to the to the punchline. Right. So you just yeah. listen to the story and then the punchline comes later, uh, which just makes the payoff even more. So love his style of comedy. Um, but thinking about his style of comedy, how can you translate to that to speaking in a public setting or even on a smaller scale, let's say you're a manager and you're speaking with your employees, like what's the best framework to use when you want your employees to take action in some way or take your, um, your, uh, mission, right? Your mission for your department or your goals for the department. How do you get them to take action? So I'm going to give you a secret here. Shh, don't tell nobody. All right. I'm going to share with you a framework that I share with my speaking clients. So I told you, I told you a piece of it already. I call this my six C framework, the number six letter C. So I shared with you that context, character, conflict, and conclusion are the four main elements of a story. So the context, the character, and the conflict, those three elements are what I call the cause, right? So if we think about cause and effect, the life, life is happening, the world is happening, this is what's happening in the world right now, but here's what's messed up, here's what's broken in the world, conflict, okay? All of that is, is the cause. After the cause, there is this other thing that I call the catalyst. So we've got the context, character, and conflict, but then, because something's broken, you need to do something. The catalyst is that statement that says, we need to do this in order to achieve this benefit, right? We need to do this 
to get to this. We need to improve this in order to make more money. We need to um, buy more Bitcoin in order to be rich in 10 years, like Brown says. <laughs> All right. So, so now you've got the catalyst. And, and so now when you do that, people are like, okay, well, how do I do that? Now in that conclusion area, now you're starting to outline the steps. We need, here's the 10 steps that we need to follow. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Uh, I, I use the Bitcoin example, but the other day my son introduced me to this thing called the hyperverse. <laughs> that one is yeah. new to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is that? So, so apparently the hyperverse is like a, the, one of the newest things on the blockchain spectrum here, right? And it's like there's a there's a there's something called who H O O and or H U, right? And the hyperverse apparently it multiplies every every thirty days or sixty days or whatever. And so I'm still trying to understand some of it, right? It's I have like to do some research after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So so here's the thing. So he's he's explaining this to me, and he's going one, two, three. He's going through all of these steps. Right. So here's how he did it, though. He came into my office one day. I'm here doing some work. And he's like, yo, dad, what you know about the hyperverse? I'm like, what are you even talking about? I mean, Facebook just changed your name to the metaverse. I mean, meta, I, I know about that. And he's like, yeah, you, you got you got to get down on the on the hyperverse. What you know about that? And I'm like, OK, well, I don't know anything about the hyperverse. And so he whips out this thing and he goes through and he shares with me all of the different steps. Right. But the but the but the setup. He understands. I mean, we have conversations all the time about investing and and making sure that you can generate wealth and not just expect it from somebody else. Right. And not just expect the job. you got to figure out how to do that. So we have these conversations. And so um, the conflict here is that he's my son. He's 15. He don't have no money. <laughs> right, right. I see where this is so, going. <laughs> Daddy got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, so he's like, okay. He comes in and says, "We need to do this," and he shows it to me in order to get this because it multiplies every so often. Okay, so now he's got my attention, mm. and I'm like, okay, how does this work? Then he walks through the steps of it, and he calls his boy, he calls one of his buddies. And they walk through the steps of it. So this is the conclusion area, right? So character, context, conflict, stuff is broken. Catalyst, we need to do this with the benefits. Conclusion, walks me through the steps. And then after he walks me through the steps, after it's done, the sixth C is now call to action. So now he's got to say, are we going to do this? We should do this. Or let's do this. Right. So I'll, I'll walk it through again. Car context, what's happening in your in the audience's world, characters, who it's happening to conflict, what's broken catalyst, what we need to do. Conclusion, the steps, the how that we have to take and then call to action. Are we going to do it? Let's do it. Let's move to action on it. It sounds like you taught your son very well. <laughs> he he used your framework against you. <laughs> he, did. he did. I didn't even know. He he caught me out there. Yeah. Call to action. Give me money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, it's three hundred dollars to start, Dad. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Partners. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you you weren't always in this field. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about your transition from nine to five to being where you are today? Wow. So um, I would like to say that that was this neat transition. I had these dreams 
of becoming an entrepreneur and uh, I saved my money. I put away my coin until one day I made the bold step and stepped out into the unknown. No, no, <laughs> that's not what it was. It's literally, I was, I was teaching. And while I was teaching, I started a business because I didn't have, my wife and I were talking in our bedroom and we were, she was saying, dude, you are spending too much money on CDs. <laughs> and so I just, what's the CD? Um, what's the CD? I forgot. I forgot what's the CD. Um, certificate of deposit. No. Uh, <laughs> so I'm at this point, I'm a musician. I've got this, you know, this group, I got, I got to have all the latest stuff. Right. So I got to figure out how to make, get my CDs for free. And so I figured out somehow that you could call up record labels and ask for the A&R representative and tell them that you were going to interview their artists and they'd send you free CDs. So I'm like, oh, this is a racket. Let me let me do this. So I, I started to do that and I started getting a bunch of free CDs and we put up this website and that we attached a radio station, an Internet radio station to it. And it started to get crazy traffic and started to get ads and those types of things. Do that. We start to get independent artists that, that are contacting us. And we find out that some of those independent artists don't have websites. Ding, ding, ding. Business idea. Okay, cool. We start to build websites for these artists, right? And then, um, but but I'm still teaching this time. So I've got these this this company. I've got these two entrepreneurial gigs, but I've got the safety net of of teaching at this point. So I'm teaching. Then I am. I move, I move into online teaching and I'm, my family moves from Massachusetts to Maryland. 10 days after we move, I've got three kids ages all, all below the age of five and I lose my job 10 days after. So I start to do the regular thing. After that, I start sharing, doing, going on monster indeed, simply hired, putting out resumes getting no responses, getting no responses, but I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. I got to contribute to my household. I got to provide. Right. So after, after a little while, I said, let me see if I can grab a couple of contracts. I started to do some contracts in instructional design and that's where I started the company developing online courses. And then after that, you guys heard the rest of the story before that um, just transitioned from that into training and ultimately speaking workshop facilitation training. So yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, man. So, so during this journey, right, this, you know, uh, you, uh, you know, losing your job and, you know, you having these additional side hustles and then starting your own uh, additional business. Um, what do you say that you learned about the, through that experience? Well, the biggest thing that is, the lesson that I'm still learning now is that you cannot do it all by yourself. I, I, I started out in business and I thought that I had to do the marketing, the bookkeeping, the, the filing, the, the sales, the, all of the stuff, all things. Right. And I tried to do all of that. And here's the thing, when you, when you try to do everything yourself, if you're hoping to scale or grow a business, you cannot be all of the employees, right? You cannot, you cannot do that because um, there's no way for you to handle growth if you only have two arms. You got to have 
multiple arms and you get those arms either by hiring, by partnership or by contracting. Right. So I, I, I had to figure out, I had to learn how to delegate. I had to figure out how to capture the tasks and, and then prioritize what, what's the $10,000 task and what's the $10 task. Right. I had to figure those things out and then begin to learn to delegate most effectively. And the earlier that you learn to do that, the quicker you can scale and, and become larger as a business owner. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's also very difficult, um, especially because a, a lot of people that, you know, have these ideas to start their own business, they're one man shows. Um, I guess, could you, could you talk about like, that transition like so you know you were probably a one-man show in the beginning and then you had to find the find people to kind of assist you with your your growth like how, how did you i guess manage doing everything on your own and then transitioning to you know delegating it, it is hard and it's a lot of it is a mindset thing right my first business coach one of the things that he he, he shared with me one of the nuggets that he shared was hire before you think you're ready hire even when you don't think you can, right? A lot of us were kind of like, okay, I went, to, I went to elementary school, I can read, write, and math, right? I can, <laughs> I can do, do this. So I'm like, okay, I got one, I got one, that's two right there. Um, if it costs me two and a half to hire somebody, I can't hire somebody. But in business, that's not necessarily how it works, right? You're like, okay, I got one and I got one, here, I got two. Um, is it possible for me to not hire somebody full time, but maybe I can uh, ask somebody to do this project and then I can sell or I can find out how to create another half or another one while they're doing this thing? Right. Because, see, when you try to do it by yourself, you only have capacity to do this a certain amount. But if you've got somebody else, now you've got, you've increased your capacity. They're doing some of the stuff that you used to be doing and you can do something else. Something that you're either, that, that is your main thing. Or now you begin to say, you know what? I need to focus on sales. I need to focus on marketing so that I can uh, bring in additional income and I can make sure that this person gets paid. And you don't have to hire somebody full time. You can hire somebody for a specific project. There's this really neat site called Upwork.com. There's another really neat site called Fiverr.com. You can get people to do small projects, things that would take you a few hours, take it off your plate, get them to do it, and you focus on something else. But a lot of us don't think that we can let go long enough because we feel like if we don't do it, then no, either nobody else is going to do it or we're not going to make money because it's not being done. Well. We, we've got to learn how to delegate, how to trust and how to how to grow. Well said, well said. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have to get out of that mentality of doing it all by ourselves. Right. Because uh, when you do it all by yourself, uh, you can't go far. But when you do work with other others and scale your business, right, you go very far. Right. So yep. um, I love that advice. Um, a question that I have really and just thinking about all of the experience you have and all of the leaders that you've trained and all of the companies, corporate companies that you have worked with, like, what would you say is the common characteristics that you have found in the leaders that you've worked with? Wow. That is a really big question. So common characteristic, I think 
is that leaders all have, they're all human, number one, and people look at them differently. People look at them like they have a special skill set or they they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth or they were just they do things differently or or they they paid an admission fee that that nobody else could pay and that's how they got to their space when the truth is that leaders have a lot of the same insecurities that most people have leaders have a lot of the same issues challenges as a matter of fact leadership uh, can be quite lonely. So loneliness or battling through the, the ability to make decisions that don't always satisfy everybody is, is something that is a common thread that I think all leaders experience and um, struggle with. Yeah, um, as a, I'm a new leader, um, I've been in my role for about a little over a year, and definitely I can resonate with that. It's it's been <laughs> an interesting roller coaster um, being on the leadership side. Um, you know, what advice would you give just leaders in general um, that are just really just starting out their their leadership career? You know, I think these these are conversations I've had this conversation with with my wife and some other people who are aspiring for leadership. And from a communication perspective, your language is very important. So there's a difference between how leaders speak and how non-leaders speak. And I believe everybody has leadership capability and potential. Um, but leaders tend to speak strategically while non-leaders tend to speak from an execution standpoint, right? So there's some people that talk about tasks. Leaders talk about the big picture, right? They talk about the, the dream, the vision, where we can go, what are the resources needed? And non-leaders talk about how am I going to do it? How can I, what, what are the things that I need to do to do this? So I think one of the things that I recommend to, to beginning leaders or leaders, people who have aspirations to be leader or to grow in their leadership is to start checking your language. Is your language, um, one of my friends calls it to, calls, says discount dialect and luxury language, right? <laughs> or discount dialect and leadership language. Leadership language is, is, is very different. So start addressing your language and figuring out how you can uh, think about things strategically and express things that are from the big picture perspective instead of only the details all the time. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's uh, great points, great tips. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, in, in leadership, you always think about that North Star and getting your employees to buy into that North Star vision. So I think it's so true. And your language, not even what you say, how you say it, but like your body language too, right? Like, a lot of leaders are warm, right? You want to be around in their presence versus, you know, a supervisor or someone who you want to get out of their presence. So it's important to, you know, be self-aware in that and how, you know, you can come off uh, without even knowing it. So I think those, those are great tips. Um, so my, my last question that I have is just, you know, out of your entire experience and for people who 
want to just start somewhere, like what do you think are some good resources to uh, really get better at public speaking, really uh, understanding how to uh, portray your story? Because I also think about all the people who are quitting their jobs right now during this great resignation and to find another job. Um, or change careers or start a business is important to have your branding statement or your mission statement or, you know, your elevated pitch for, uh, as well. Like where should people start to like formulate that or get that in uh, the right place? Yeah, man, there's so many resources out there. I think some of my favorite are um, Carmen Gallo, C-A-R-M-I-N-E, uh, Gallo, his last name, G-A-L-L-O, has this great book called uh, Talk Like Ted. And the whole point behind that is, is, there, is a relation to TED Talks, right? How do, you, how do you speak in a concise, compelling way, utilizing storytelling as a underpinning of that so that you can make connection with, with people? That's a really really good book. Um, I, I also love storytelling books and a guy named Matthew Worthy has Matthew Dix has this book called Story Worthy. And so that's a book that really talks about how to collect stories from your everyday life and then be able to sprinkle those into your communication and your conversation so that number one, you're more interesting. Number two, you, you're, you're more colorful, etc. Uh, last book that I'll talk about, and it's not public speaking per se, but it really talks about connection. And that is how to connect with people in 90 seconds or less. And that's by a guy named Nicholas Boothman. And so those are really great ways to, if you can, if you can connect with people, then you've won half the battle, right? Because I can talk about, okay, yep. Make sure you use eye contact. Make sure you speak slowly. Don't say, um, don't say like, so, and you know, I can do all of those things, but ultimately those are just mechanical. Those are formulaic. We really want to be able to connect with people and the person who connects with people, whether they say, um, or like, or not wins because they connect. Yeah. All right. So I just have like, Three more questions. Two of them should be really quickly. <laughs> and then the other yeah. one is, is, is the, the main heavy hitter. All right. So what's your sign? I was born on May 20th. So I am a Taurus. I'm like the last day of Taurus. Okay. Okay. All right. Wasn't expecting that one. Uh, <laughs> and then, all right. So second question is, um, what type of t clients, like you said, you have clients, like what do they come uh, to you for? Typically they come because they don't feel like they're having impact with, with their teams, with their audiences. They're, they feel like they're rambling. They're not sure if they're connecting with people. So they want to get a little bit more clarity about, okay, how do I do that? Is there a structure that I can follow? How do I do this in a shorter, more contracted time space? Um, and those are typically organizational leaders from a small business perspective, the clients that come to me say, Hey, Robert, I've got a message. I've got a story. I just don't know how to share it, where to share it, what I should say in order to share it. And so I, I, I share with them how to share their stories on stage and on video. And we walk through the techniques and the technologies of storytelling. Awesome. Awesome. Um, last question. Yeah. Uh, so this is a subjective uh, answer that you'll provide. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the question yeah. is, how are you redefining your black experience? 
Man, this is a tough question, and I'll be honest, I hate it. <laughs> that is the Here's first why. time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's why. Here's why. Um, the whole, I mean, and we could do an entire three or four episodes on this. The entire, the whole concept of race is frustrating to me. It's super frustrating to me because um we perpetuate certain things. And we subscribe to these constructs that are developed based on, in some cases, color, in some cases, religion, in some cases, language. And there's no consistent consistencies through it other than power dynamics at play. And so I, um, the inside of me gets sometimes angered and triggered by questions or or by the classifications and the labels that we use or that we have we find ourselves having to use with each other that said my kids um live in a world where they they're told that they got to check a certain box and then whether they check it or not somebody looks at them and says this is who you are right if they get pulled over by a cop on the street, the cop is not going to say, hey, what do you believe about your identity? What you know, who do you who do you believe you are before deciding how they're going to treat them? Right. And so I've got to I've got to be smart and I've got to teach my, my young men, especially about the experience that they will have simply based on the paint that is on their skin, simply based on the melanin that they're in. Right. And so how am I redefining that? Well, I think that is to be continued. That is to be determined. I think I am still at the place in my life where I'm navigating the anger of the system without appearing angry <laughs> all, all, all the time and, and still preparing my young men and preparing my family to deal with um, how the world views them without at the same time basing all of their actions on what the world subscribes to them or ascribes to them. Yeah, it's great. Interesting. Interesting. No, so I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I, I human, yeah. we are one human race. Uh, race yeah. is a, is a, is a construct based yeah. off power totally agree um but yeah but like you like you said like you're raising a king you know and uh yeah. the world does not see the way that you articulated it they see him as a black man so you know great yeah. great uh i guess answer um yeah <laughs> and I, and, but i do like like the point of like not being angry because yeah. unfortunately the more you learn about like our history and examine it yeah you just naturally get angry yeah um but there's power in like knowing, knowing your history and making yeah. sure that your kids are self-aware about their history as well but they're confident in spite of what you they may be reading or they don't let that deter them and i think we're at this turning point where it's becoming so mainstream to be a victim yeah. that I don't think our people can afford to dive into that lane because we're already behind. Um, so, so I could, I definitely understand it. And yeah. our podcast, the purpose of it is to just showcase black people 
excelling doing the damn thing right yeah. <laughs> um and sure. not allowing the media to define our experience we define our experience and and that's Absolutely. more of like the purpose of the the mission behind it but yeah, yeah. I, I think i think it's just a delicate balance and unfortunate you know it is what it is but um um, what you're doing, you're, you're redefining the black experience and your son coming to you with the yeah. hyperverse, which I didn't even know about, like that's, that's legacy building in its own. Cause he, he's in the forefront right now. So I got to look yeah. it up. So I'm trying, I'm trying to get some, uh, some, some coin as well. Yep. yep. And I consider myself someone who's pretty decently versed in the blockchain technology and I've never heard of this. So I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. <laughs> You had me at hello. (laughs) Yep. 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 Absolutely. But lastly, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you? Where can people uh, really own this story and become uh, a brand? Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm easy to find. I'm Robert Kennedy three on all social media platforms. Well, except for TikTok, somebody else is Robert Kennedy three on TikTok. I'm mad at them because they're not even that active. And I'm just opening my TikTok account. So I'm real Robert Kennedy three on TikTok. We're going to be putting some real some hot stuff on there too. Um, and you can find, if you're looking to gain more information or grow in your storytelling capability, you can connect with me, with me in the Storytellers Growth Lab and you can go to storytellersgrowthlab.com or find Storytellers Growth Lab um, on Facebook as well. All right, perfect. Yeah, thank you for just dropping uh, gems, dropping your knowledge, sharing your experience um, and really just helping others, right? Tell their story. So we really appreciate you for coming on. We really appreciate you just for dropping in and showing light to our listeners. So thank you once again. And for everybody listening, make sure you follow him and also make sure that you share this podcast, share this episode. Don't be stingy. Give to the needy and the people need to hear the 30 to life podcast. It's your boy Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. 30 to life. We out. Peace.